The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Story, Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'm so glad that you could join me on this Friday. The topic of discussion today is autoimmune oophoritis. Do you know what it is? Do you know the symptoms? Do you know the treatments? So, you know what I want you to do. That's right. Grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and to those listening late at night, you know I appreciate you. So grab your favorite glass of wine and come on and join me right here on my story, Living with Lupin. motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and creator of Right Side of 50, Life Lessons with Sheila Smith. To book her for your next empowerment conference, contact her at rightside50 at gmail.com or call 404 447 Six eight nine seven. Tea and conversation brush with motivational speaker and creator of Right Side of Fifty. Location for this event will take place in Evanwood, Georgia. For more information, you can call 404-447-6897 or email rightside50 at gmail.com. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Now, what I try to do by bringing this information to you is to make you aware that there's more to lupus than the loss of hair, the rashes, the nasal 
ulcers, the oral ulcers, or swelling and the pain. Lupus is a complex disease. Now, you can go read on different sites where they're mainly talking about either new trial drugs coming out or the basic symptoms of lupus. What I try to bring to you is a more in-depth look at lupus and how complex this disease is. Now, when it comes to autoimmune oophoritis, it is a rare cause of primary ovarian insufficiencies, better known as POI. It happens when the body's immune system mistakenly attacks the ovaries, causing inflammation, atrophy, and fibrosis. These changes stop the ovaries from working normally. The main symptoms of autoimmune oophoritis are irregular or absent menstrual periods and symptoms related to ovarian cysts, such as abdominal cramping, bloating, nausea, and vomiting. Autoimmune oophoritis may occur as part of autoimmune polyglandular syndrome type 1 and 2, but has also been associated with lupus, anemia, and other autoimmune conditions. The underlying cause of autoimmune oophoritis is unknown. Diagnosis involves a special blood test which looks for anti-steroid or anti-ovarian antibodies, a pelvic ultrasound to look for enlarged cysts on the ovaries and tests to rule out other possible causes of POI. Management of autoimmune oophoritis involves emotional support, possible estrogen replacement therapy, and management of other autoimmune conditions. Now, when it comes to the symptoms, there's 13, and here they are. Lower abdominal pain, fever, malaise, vaginal discharge, irregular bleeding, as stated before, nausea, vomiting, abdominal tenderness, enlarged ovaries, impaired fertility, pelvic pain, lower back pain, menstrual changes. Now, I know when I, <clears throat> before I was clinically diagnosed 
with um, lupus, I would have irregular periods or no periods at all. So those are some of the, the symptoms that you may experience with autoimmune oophoritis. He is the author of Positive Energy 24-7 and his latest book, it was Destin, urban legend. He's Detroit's own author, Henry Long. To purchase an autographed copy of his book and to purchase his ebook, go to rightpath247.com. That's W R I T E P A T H. 247.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at rightpath247. Now, when it comes to the diagnosis of autoimmune oophoritis, as stated previously, the main diagnostic tool is the FSH test and levels above 40 are usually indicative of premature ovarian failure. High normal levels above 15 to 20 during the first days of the cycle after menstruation can be indicative of premature ovarian Decline. Now, this is a case study that I'm about to tell you about. A 35-year-old patient stopped getting her period abruptly. Her family doctor and gynecologist reassured her that it was just stress. No one asked her a detailed family history. She didn't have a genogram filled out, which would have revealed that her mother and maternal grandmother had mild thyroiditis and osteoporosis and were on thyroid replacement. And her grandmother also had anemia, a... um. It was pernicious anemia, a B12 deficiency that is not only autoimmune but common in the elderly. Her gynecologist believed that since her family doctor have checked her FSH level, the family doctor just assumed the gynecologist was doing his part. Now we all know what happens when you assume something. No one actually reviewed the blood work to see that only the bare minimum was done. She received no treatment, simply suffering through the symptoms 
of menopause with sleep disturbance, dry vagina, etc., believing it was only stress. Now, at age 44, she experienced a number of rib fractures after a minor, minor automobile accident and was diagnosed by an astute doctor with osteoporosis. It turns out her premature ovarian failure meant no estrogen for almost 10 years. Rapid bone loss. Since she received no treatment and now osteoporosis. Had she brought to her doctors a family genogram, done her own research on why she wasn't getting periods, brought her blood work to each doctor to see how little was actually done and kept a journal detailing her sleep disturbance, hot symptoms, dry vagina, etc., the diagnosis could have been suspected and tests slash treatment started sooner. Now you see why I say it is important whenever you go to the doctors, whenever you have a hospital inpatient admitting, you get a copy of your records. And also, it is so very important to journal any and all symptoms and let the doctor know, speak up, use your voice. This is your body. This is your health. Take control over your situations. Now, when it comes to diagnosing and treating autoimmune ovarian problems, there's not necessarily one particular specialty that is best at diagnosing or treating this condition. The best possible practitioner may be a reproductive endocrinologist, general endocrinologist, or gynecologist, or even a general practitioner, OBGYN, or internist who specializes in women's hormonal medicine. Generally, however, reproductive endocrinologists and gynecologists may have the best ability to diagnose and then properly treat these types of hormonal imbalances. Now, I want to ask you guys, excluding the men, have you had your pap smears done? Have you seen your gynecologist? It is important that you do. Now, as stated before, when it comes to the treatment, 
the main conventional treatments include hormone replacement therapy. Typically, this involves both estrogen and progestins. The conventional method is sometimes birth control pills or the estrogen drug Premarin. Alternative practitioners usually recommend use of oral or transdermal patch estradiol along with natural progesterone in pill form. This is some evidence that the negative effect attributed to estrogen increased risk of stroke and certain cancers are minimized when synthetic estradiol is used versus the pregnant's uh, mare's urine used to produce most widely prescribed brands of estrogen replacement premarin. Now, you didn't know that they use pregnant mare's urine to make hormonal replacements, did you? Yes, they do. But let me tell you this. Things to know. Now, when infertility is the issue and pregnancy is desired, it's useful to look at some of the success that have been enjoyed by reproductive medicine experts. Now, um, Chicago's Medical School's Reproductive Medicine Program has found success with several treatments for autoimmunity-related infertility. Research has found that this sort of treatment is required prior to successful pregnancies in some women. The treatments include lymphocyte immune therapy, which was initially a treatment for reoccurring miscarriages, but is now used to help kidney transplant patients as well as being a treatment for diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune encephalomyelitis, and autoimmune thyroiditis. The lit produces antibodies against T cells and B cells that help to calm down autoimmune responses. In research findings, that is, that this is, I'm sorry, the first line of therapy for women with immune infertility and reproductive failure. The other treatment is intravenous immunoglobulins also known as gamma globulin, is given to women to prevent them from developing a negative immune 
response to pregnancy. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. your host for my story living with lupus even though i'll be on the west coast you will receive another episode next friday so stay tuned have a peaceful enjoyable and blessed weekend and remember the only one that can tell it. See you guys next week.